Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. invite your attention into the word of the Lord to the gospel of Luke chapter 18 gospel of Luke chapter number 18 and I want to read a few uh, verses of scripture there beginning with verse 1 18 and verse 1 and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And I want to look back at uh, verse 7 and just use uh, for my subject here uh, part of that phrase there that is mentioned in the first part of verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own? Shall not God avenge his own? Amen. And that's what I want to speak to us about. I want to talk to us the next few Wednesday nights. I've just really felt this. If the Lord will lead me and help me and continue to anoint, I want to talk to us about prayer and the importance and the necessity of prayer and the benefits of prayer and maybe inspire us to pick up a stronger and more fervent prayer life. How many knows that's necessary in these last days? Amen. Prayer shouldn't be on the decrease. Prayer should be on the increase. And when we're in church services, we should not be intimidated to really reach out to the Lord in prayer. Public prayer has become unfashionable these days. Uh, Public prayer has become taboo for some reason in our world. I think it's the spirit of the world, the spirit of the enemy that is working, trying to shut down prayer because if anybody knows the effectiveness of it, the devil knows the effectiveness of it. He knows when people of God begin to pray and begin to seek the face of God, his kingdom is coming down. The works of darkness are going to have to be halted when God's people begin to pray and begin to seek the face of the Lord. But there's no prayer in schools. They did away with that. Back several years ago in the 60s, no prayer in schools anymore. And with uh, the last few decades, we've seen uh, the fruit of that. We've seen 
uh, increasing violence in school and among teenagers and mass shootings in schools. We've seen uh, suicide rates. Uh, I was just reading somewhere the other day that here recently suicide rates in America. We lead the world in suicides. The wealthiest nation, the most blessed nation in the world, leads the world in suicides. I'm telling you something wrong with the picture here. I'll tell you what it is. Uh, people, they, they're losing hope. And we've taken God out of so many things. We took God out of the schools. And, and with all this going on, you think there'd be a mandate to pray at school. There ought to be a law enforced to pray in school. Amen. Instead of the other way around. Amen. we got to get prayer. We can't afford for prayer to, to be dismissed from our lives. We cannot afford for prayer to be compromised in any way. Can you say praise the Lord? I want you to raise your hands with me, and I want you to pray aloud right now. I want you to pray aloud that God would move and work and have His way. In Jesus' name, I'm praying, God, that you would minister, you would move in this house tonight. She would touch us by your mighty power. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm praying, God, for your glory, your unction, your anointing. God, to be strong here in this sanctuary. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Praise God. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me just say this before we're seated. I don't want us in church services to feel intimidated about praying aloud. There's reasons for that. Amen. Somebody said, well, God can hear me. I, I suppose He can. I suppose He can. He can read your thoughts. I suppose He can certainly hear the whispers of your prayers. But there's reasons why we lift up our voice. First of all, the Bible said, speak to the mountain. Amen. It didn't say whisper to it. It said speak to it. Amen. It also tells us in the book of Isaiah to cry aloud and spare not. Lift up our voice like a trumpet. Amen. In other words, no reason to be ashamed if you're a child of God. It's time to lift up your voice and cry out to Him about a need that you have in your life. But there's another reason that I, I suppose is, is just as important as any of that. And that is, is that there's people that come into this atmosphere. They themselves don't know how to pray. They don't know how to touch God. They don't know how to, other than our example, they don't know how to, to verbalize a prayer unto the Lord. They need us to be an example of prayer and exemplify what it is to pray and get a hold of God. Most of us in this place, if we would admit it, we learned how to pray through reading examples of it in the Word of God and through hearing others that knew how to pray and knew how to touch God, hearing them pray and pray aloud. Amen. If it's going to perpetuate, we're going to have to not be ashamed of praying and getting a hold of God. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. This, this passage that I read to you from tonight almost seems out of place when you think of it in the sequence of things in Scripture. Because Israel had given the world, if you think of it, the greatest prayer warriors that it had ever known. 
I remind you that it was Israel that gave the world men like Abraham. It was Abraham that at 100 years of age fathered a son named Isaac. And the Bible tells us that really this was the direct result of prayer. That this man, though he may have been up in years, he touched God. And God gave him a miracle, gave him a son in his old age. And of course, we also reminded of the prayer that Abraham prayed when God had purposed to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. And it was Abraham that actually bargained with God. Much like you would bargain with a merchant when you're unwilling to pay the full price, uh, Abraham stood before God in boldness and bargained with God. He started out and said, God, uh, if there be 50 righteous among them, would you not spare this city from the pending judgment that is to come? And God agreed that if there were 50 righteous, he would spare the city. And Abraham come back and said, God, don't be angry with me, but if there be less than, than that, if there be 45 that are righteous, would you not spare the city? And God agreed. And then he worked it down and said, God, I, I want to plead with you. Don't be angry with me, but if there be 40. And finally he worked his way all the way down to just 10 righteous souls. It was Abraham that prayed this great prayer and said, Why don't the judge of all the earth, won't he do right? And God, you will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. And he stood there and prayed this prayer, the first real example that we have of a prayer of intercession before God. It was Abraham that out of his loins, his grandson Jacob came who wrestled with an angel of the Lord and held on until God changed him and changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Or we could speak about women of God that were raised up out of Israel who besought God fervently like Rachel, who realized her condition of barrenness and said, Give me children, else I die. And she birthed a son. Or we could speak about Hannah tonight who prayed with such agony and such intense travail that her words could no longer be expressed uh, to articulate what she was feeling. She reached such a place of intensity in her prayer that she could no longer verbalize it. And she was so intoxicated with the presence of God that even the prophet Eli thought that she was drunk and marked her mouth. He didn't understand her. But one year later, a son was born as a result of prayer. And that son, Samuel, that boy became one of the greatest judges, if not the greatest judge that Israel would ever known and certainly a great prophet of God. It was the nation of Israel that gave the world men like Samson who bowed his head. He, he was a man that was riddled with mistakes. He was a man that was not perfect in every way. But this man knew how to touch God. He, he some way knew how even in the midst of everything that he was facing 
in everything that he was going through. He knew how to get a hold of the Lord. And though he was in Philistine captivity, he wrapped his arms around the pillar of the temple. And he said, God, strengthen me if only this once. And he pulled that entire building down. And the Bible tells us that he slew more of the enemy in his death than he did in the entirety of his life. God answered and responded to his prayers. It was the nation of Israel that gave the world men like Hezekiah. Oh, Hezekiah goes down as one of those great examples in the word of the Lord of a man that knew how to pray, of a man that knew how to get a hold of God. Many of us are reminded of how that the preacher came and delivered a message of death, told him to set his house in order that he was going to die. And it was Hezekiah that said, I cannot accept that. I cannot just receive that without uh, going before the Lord and making my appeal heard. And he turned his face, the scripture says, to the wall. And I don't believe that it was some casual, careless, flippant prayer that he prayed. But I believe that this man with all of his heart began to seek the face of God. God, I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready to go into eternity. I've got something left that I want to give and I want to do on this earth. And the Bible says before the preacher could get off the property that God turned him around, sent him back to the prophet in 15 years was added to King Hezekiah's life. Amen. It was Hezekiah when there was a great enemy, the greatest and most formidable enemy of Israel that surrounded Jerusalem. And when they surrounded them and encamped about them, everybody within Israel was afraid. But it was Hezekiah that went to the house of God and began to cry out unto the Lord. And God heard his prayer. And 185,000 were slain by one angel that God dispatched because there was one man that knew how to touch God. I'm going to tell you, if there's just one person that knows how to get a hold of the Lord, if there's just one person that knows how to pray the prayer of faith, if there's just one person that knows how to touch God, it could change everything. I said it could turn everything around. Amen. Miracles can happen when God's people pray. Things can break forth when God's people pray. Things can really change when people of God seek God with all of their heart. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and let's give him praise right now. And so when you read this text in Luke chapter 18, it almost seems strange when you know this, when you understand this, it would seem strange that Jesus would feel it necessary to speak to this group of people with such a rich heritage about the subject of prayer. What, 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 with people with this kind of background, with this kind of a uh, history, with this powerful past and, and examples that they had had through generations. Uh, but the reason why is because for 430 years prior to this time, Israel had cut her moorings and set themselves adrift 
on the sea of sin and worldliness. And they had drifted away from God. And they had forgotten God and forsaken Him. And no longer did they adhere uh, to the things of God like they once had. Oh, they still went through their proud rituals in the temple. They still went through all of the things that they normally done uh, in worship to the Lord. But the truth was God no longer was involved in what they were doing. He no longer was blessing their efforts. I'm going to tell you when, you, when you don't have the anointing, when you don't have the power of God, when the blessing of God is not there, it doesn't matter how fervent you are. It doesn't matter how much energy is expended. It doesn't matter how exciting people are. Amen. If there's no heart in it, if there's no anointing on it, if there's no blessing in it, amen, it's just futile. It's just going through the motions. It's just mindless chatter. Oh, but for 400 years, 450 years, they had been in this condition. And for the last 400 years, there had been nothing but silence on the part of God. That's that space between uh, those prophets that we read about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the book of Matthew, those 400 silent years when God was not speaking to man, when God was not moving as He once did. God was not responding as He once had. You may not really understand this, but I believe that God is wanting to reveal himself one more time to this world before he comes. I really believe that God wants to give a revival to this world. And may I be a little bit more specific here tonight. I believe that God wants to give a revival to this city. I believe God wants to give a revival to Landmark. Amen. Yet I believe there's one thing that he's waiting on. And there is a tool that is at our disposal that we have to implement, that we have to we have to engage with, Amen. And if we don't truly implement this tool, Amen, we'll never become the mighty army that God wants us to be. But the early church, when they implemented this tool, we have an example of it in the Book of Acts that everywhere they went, God blessed, and it was either revival or a riot, and sometimes it was both. But God was moving, and God was working, and God was performing miracles, and there were signs, and there was wonders, and the blessings of God was there for His people. That tool that I'm speaking of tonight is none other than prayer. Amen. It may have become dull to you through the years, but you need to get it out and sharpen it up and understand that God still answers. God still responds God still works when his people pray come on let's clap our hands and lift up our voice and somebody cry loud right now and spare not when you examine this closer you find that Israel had been through 400 years of silence no prophet no prophet's voices were echoing in their streets There was uh, no men agonizing before God as there had once been. There was no cry being lifted up towards heaven in desperation like Hezekiah. No, for 400 years they went without hearing from God. There was no Shekinah. There was still a temple. There was still all the furniture of the temple. 
there was actually still a priesthood and those priests would faithfully go through the motions of offering sacrifices and going through the motions of ritual and worship year after year. But these people lived only with a memory of once uh, what used to be burning in their hearts and minds. Uh, They could only reminisce about the stories of how God used to move and how He used to work and the miracles that used to happen. They heard from their uh, generations before them it being passed down about Red Seas parting, about the Jordan River rolling back, uh, about manna descending from heaven, about giants being defeated, about Jericho's walls crumbling down. Yeah, they they knew and they understood the stories of their forefathers and those miracles. They actually taunted and teased them because they did not know God in the same reality of power that that generation before them knew Him. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I don't want to ever speak about Pentecost and the power of Pentecost in a past tense. I want an active move of God. I want to see prayers answered, miracles take place, sicknesses healed, folks delivered, people set free, filled with the Holy Ghost in this day, in this hour. Come on, clap your hands and let's praise the Lord again. In fact, the real reason for this, if you if you look in the scripture and you study this out, at the time of this text, the theological debate of the day really fell into two schools of thought. There was the Pharisees on the one end of the spectrum, and then there was the Sadducees on the other end of the spectrum. And let me explain these two groups so you'll better understand why Jesus felt such a compulsion Uh, to talk to them about the subject of prayer. The Sadducees believed God created the entire world. And uh, the best example I can use is it was much like a terrarium. You know those terrariums that you, they they put all those things inside. It's in a glass dome and you just observe it. And after he created it and he programmed everything and put everything in sequence just right, This is what they believe, that the God of creation walked over the door of the universe and twisted the knob and walked out and closed the door behind him and he had nothing to do anymore with the affairs of men. That he was not actively involved and he did not care about the personal needs of people. He did not get involved in their day-to-day lives at all, but he was simply an observer that looked down and observed as people were in their needs and in their struggles of life. And uh, that they said, it's just what it is. That's, uh, you know, we have the saying, it is what it is, or that's just life. And that's the way that the Sadducees taught, and that's the way that they believed. They taught that God could not be touched through prayer, that the days of miracles uh, Uh, They probably believed that they never were, but they certainly were not available today. They taught whatever you ascribe to God, it was simply a coincidence. It was something that would have happened anyway. If your back was against the wall, if your health was broken, if you had a family crisis, uh, 
if you happened to pray and the answer came, then it was strictly a coincidence. It would have happened. uh, It would have taken place without your prayers. And then you had the Pharisees who were on the other end of the spectrum. And they taught uh, that prayer was a necessity. Yet they distorted the purpose of prayer. They used prayer as a way to exert spiritual pride and impress people and maybe even have dominion and authority and be able to manipulate them. Prayer uh, was for the purpose of proving that you had a special franchise on God, that you were some kind of super spiritual person because you were a man or a person of eloquent prayers. You will find it in the way that they prayed. Uh, You will find Jesus talking about this on one occasion. These Pharisees would memorize prayer books. They would write out long, eloquent, and elaborate prayers. And they would memorize them to the T. And they had all of these big, fancy words in them. And they wouldn't go to the temple to pray those prayers, but no, they would go to where two streets met. And they would stand on the street corner. And they would cry aloud and they would, from their memory, they would recite these prayers. and They would be so eloquent. And when people would walk by, they'd say, man, that fella, he, re- he must really, really know God. However, the Pharisees grew to never expect an answer to their prayers because God didn't respond to those kind of prayers. Because those were not prayers that came from passion of the heart. They were not prayers that come from brokenness. They were not prayers that were really sincere. He prayed to be seen. He he prayed to only be heard of others. And Jesus said they already have their reward. Amen. When men look at them and brag on them and say how spiritual they are, that's the reward that they're going to get. And the only reward because it doesn't get any further than that. They had all the religious markings. They said all the right words. They gave their voice inflections in the right place. They, they knew the timing of it all. They knew just how to look so pious and hold themselves in the right stature. Uh, but within, they were dead. They were lifeless. They were powerless. They were full, the Scripture says, of dead men's bones. But I want to set the record straight here tonight. I want to tell you, Mr. Sadducee, you had it all wrong. God does care about humanity. God does care about those that walk and live in this world. He does answer prayer. God does still heal. We have testimonies of it right here in this place, Mr. Sadducee. I have a testimony that God has touched me in my body many times, Mr. Sadducee. I want to set the record straight tonight. I want to remind you of something here tonight. God still saves. Amen. I've seen him fill people with the Holy Ghost. I've seen him transform people's lives. People that have tried everything else and couldn't find hope. But they came to an apostolic altar. And there they found hope. And there they were saved and set free from sin. 
I don't accept your explanation that it's just coincidence that things work out right. No, I tend to believe what the Bible says. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Mr. Sadducee, I believe when people get themselves into difficult situations, the answer is as close to the God that they fall on their knees and cry out to. It's as close, amen, as the one that they surrender all to and say, God, out of my brokenness, out of my pain, out of my desperation, I put all of my faith and my trust in you. I don't trust in men anymore. I can't trust in men anymore. I can't have faith and confidence in what man can do anymore. But I need you to step into this situation. I need you to turn this thing around. And God is able to do that. How many believers do I have in the house tonight? And Mr. S- Mr. Pharisee, I come to set the record straight where you're concerned. Neither are you correct in your interpretation of prayer. Prayer isn't designed to enhance my relationship with man, but prayer is designed to enhance my relationship with God. And prayer is not designed necessarily to change other people, but it's meant to change me and my way of looking at things in life so that I can be clear and hear from God. It is, amen, for that reason Jesus felt the necessity to talk to the nation of Israel about prayer. This vital tool that sometimes for whatever reason stays in the toolbox until we get desperate, until the bottom falls out. We don't run to this tool and use this tool but we better keep it sharpened up in these last days and understand that there's a day coming that people are going to cry out in the streets. Amen. But it's the people of God that know how to pray and know how to get a hold of God that God is going to give peace to in the midst of the storm. It's the people of God that God is going to respond to and give provision for. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and let's praise Him together. Hear me, even the early church struggled with the lingering effects of this false teaching that persisted for now four centuries. Do you remember in the book of Acts when they were praying in chapter 12 for Simon Peter's release from prison and the decree was already made by Herod when this feast is over, I'm going to behead Simon Peter just like I did James. It had already been spoken. It had already made the brag that that was what was going to happen. And the Bible said that the church gathered at Mary's house and began to pray and began to seek the face of God. And when they did, there came a knock at the door. And Rhoda, the servant girl, went to the door. And she looked and saw that it was Simon Peter standing before her. And very excitedly, she went back to announce that prayer had been answered. Hey, God has responded. God has worked. There's been an answer. God has released Simon Peter from the prison house. He's standing on the door stoop. The answer is already here. And they said, no, you're mad, Rhoda. No, you don't understand. It doesn't work like that. 
We, we know, we've been taught, it's been ingrained in our mind that it can't happen that quickly. It can't happen just like that. Oh, no, that, that's not the way it happens. Go back to praying. Go back to seeking God. Oh, never mind what you thought you saw or what you think is happening. I want to tell you that we can become so familiar and hear about prayer and preach about prayer so much that it becomes rendered ineffective in our lives because we don't believe that God is able to hear people, Holy Ghost-filled people that lift up their voice and say, God, I'm staying here till the answer comes. I'm holding on to the horns of an altar. I'm desperate before you. I need you to move in my situation. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to encourage somebody here tonight. I want to help somebody in this house tonight. Just because you've heard it preached a long, long time, I'm going to stir somebody back up where it comes to prayer and when it comes to getting on our faces before God and crying out before the Lord. I, I want to stir up some people, amen, and inspire some people in this place to get back to praying and seeking the face of God like you once did. Amen. I'm going to tell you, God, still able to give you the miracles that he gave you back there as a new convert. God is still able to open doors just like he did when you were young in the Lord. He's able, God is able to work and heal and change things and situations and move on people's hearts. Matter of fact, you're here because somebody prayed. You're in this building tonight, able to feel the glory of God, able to worship, lift up hands without wrath or doubting. Amen. You're able to feel inspired and strengthened in the Lord tonight because as somebody had said, I'm going to touch heaven for them. I want to pray. I'm going to seek the face of God. Come on, I know it's Wednesday night, but I feel revival in my spirit right now. I feel like telling somebody that your prayers are not to no avail. Your prayers have been heard. Your prayers, amen, that you lift up before God, He's going to respond to. He's going to bring an answer to. God's going to work in them. Somebody ought to lift up your hands right now and cry out to him. Come on, out of desperation in this moment. Come on, there's going to come a moment in this church service tonight, I believe, that God's going to open up a door and he's checking to see, are we interested? Are we interested in walking through it? Are we desperate enough, amen, to walk through it? He's going to provide an opportunity for us to step out in the spirit realm and walk through a door. Amen, maybe it's been a long time since you visited that place. Maybe it's been a long time since you felt the burden of that place. But God God is showing you tonight if you'll step out and step into his presence. Those problems are not insurmountable. Those challenges are not too great. Those deals that are going on in your life, God is able to help you with them. Amen. Maybe you've never been there, but I've been there. I've been there until I rolled in the carpet. I didn't care who was watching me. I didn't care what they thought about me. That's something about this. When you get desperate enough, you get 
broken enough. Amen. You, life kicks you around enough. And you get to the place. You don't care who hears your sobs. Who hears your cries. I've cried myself to sleep at night. I've clamped a pillow around my mouth so that others, amen, that were nearby would not be awakened. Oh, and I prayed and said, God, you've got to help me. If you don't help me, there's no way that I can continue. There's no way that I can go on. There's no way if you don't step in, it's going to work out. And guess what? I'm here because God answers prayer. And prayer really does change things in the lives of people. I know, I know a lot of people come for a quiet little Bible study tonight. And I suppose we'll have more of them. But I'm telling you, the urgency that I feel in my spirit towards prayer right now demands that I put a little passion into what I'm saying. I don't apologize, but I come, amen, to awaken somebody. I come to stir somebody's heart. I come to tell you this thing is wrapping up. It it didn't take a rocket scientist or a Bible theologian to figure that one out. Look around you. Look at the protests in Hong Kong and in Russia. Look at the threats of war. Amen. That are in North Korea and Iran. Amen. Do you not see biblical prophecy and all of that? This is not a time to play church. This is not a time for you to go through the motions. This is not a time for us just to come and go and nothing happen. We need to be apostolic like we never have before. We need God to move like he never has moved in our church. Oh, why don't you stand with me right now. Let's lift up our voice unto God. Matthew chapter 6 is that example prayer the Lord is telling us. He said, when you pray, and that's a phrase that is repeated several times there, when you pray. He talks about when you give. He talks about when you fast. But, but really the, the focal point of that passage or at least that I want to point out, is he said, when you pray. And there's something about that that struck me of late. How it's repeated over and over again. Even the Lord knew that we were going to have to be reminded, don't just talk about prayer. Don't just encourage one another and say, I'll I'll pray for you. Amen. Don't just tell, amen, about how that prayer works and just uh, just, uh, give the testimonies of how prayer has helped in times past. But you, it will only happen for you. It can only take place for you. You will only experience a miracle when you pray. When you pray, when you, not somebody else, don't depend on somebody else to do your praying. You get in a closet with God. You close yourself away with me. You talk to me and make your petitions known. I will hear you when you pray. I can only work when you pray. I can only give you a miracle when you pray. I can only answer when you pray. There's just a few things that stood out to me in this passage that I read to read to you from tonight in Luke 18. The Bible says that when she came, that he would not for a while. That bothers me. What is he, playing games here? He would not for a while. What that is reminding us of is sometimes our faith will be tested. 
and our determination will be tested. And just because it doesn't happen in a little while or when we think it ought to, that's not an indication that it's not going to happen. And that's not a sign that we should give up. Matter of fact, uh, that means that we're closer even now to a greater miracle, to a greater answer. Amen. Amen. He would not for a little while. Oh, but she just kept coming back. And the Bible says that he made the statement, lest by her continual coming she weary me. It's me again. I'm back again. Here I am. I'm not giving up. I'm not stopping. I tell you, there's some prayers that I've been praying for a long time. But I want to serve hell notice. You're not going to get me to give up. I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to continually come to the altar. I'm going to pray again. And then the statement is made, and this is our text and our title tonight, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Shall not God avenge? It may look like right now the devil's having a heyday in your life. It may look like right now that he's winning. It may appear right now that the score has been run up, and you're on the losing side of things. But I got news for you. The game is not over yet. The final buzzer has not rang yet. It's not over just yet. God's not through just yet. God is able to give us a comeback like you've never seen before. Will he not avenge his own elect? God's going to come back and thunder in this house. God's going to come back and bless somebody in this place. God's going to turn something around in the lives of people but he wants to know are you hungry for me do you desire me do you want me to move do you desire my will to be done in your life if you feel what I'm praying right now if I'm preaching right now why don't you lift up your hands in prayer why don't you lift up your voice and cry out to God why don't you seek the face of God with me right now